Hello, beautiful humans. Editor Jeremy here to start this one off. Uh, this episode was our first session back after two weeks, and during that downtime, I got some new stuff for the studio, and I did some rearranging and moving some things here and there. Well, that kind of led to a slew of technical difficulties during this session, so please, bear with me if you hear anything weird. Uh, who knows, you may not hear anything, and it may just be my little editing brain that hears every single difficulty that we had. Uh, in any case, this is still an incredible episode. We got pretty damn goofy and had a whole bunch of laughs, and I know you'll love it too. With that being said, thanks so much for being here with us, and enjoy! Pants and these guys are fucking. What's your name? Yes, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, and your name? What's your name? Jeremy. All right, new listeners on episode. What fucking episode is this right now? Sixty. Sixty fucking two. If you're picking up sixty-two. Really? No. Yeah. It's not sixty-two. It's sixty fucking two. Sixty fucking two. Get enthusiasm. Uh, I, sorry, I, I, it's here. I have. I have. I've been enthusiastic since this morning. Okay. Since this afternoon, no, you, you really weren't. I was not. I, I no, came in no. and saw you sitting, sitting in your little, uh, <laughs> your little booth cubicle there. Dark, I'm like, hey, David, booth. and you go, hey, look, it was eight o'clock. That's too early. Look, these that's normal guys people time. get that's up at like people time. four o'clock in the morning or whatever shit you do. It, it's insane. People think you're crazy. Occasionally four or five at the latest. Okay, that's insane. That's crazy. I mean, but what time do you get done with work? If I'm up before ten. I want to die. What time? Ten? Jesus Christ. Ten's my, ten's my biological okay, time. What, what the day is half over. What, what time are you done with work? I know we're at average. five o'clock. Okay. Four we're, o'clock. We're done what? Probably, probably hard average three. Yeah. Depending on the day. Wow, that's so worth getting up at two o'clock or four o'clock in the morning. What, what is your point? 
my alarm goes off at five and then I usually do prospect and then I get to work. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's right. I forgot. We're omitting a very important detail, which is that Jeremy Wolf takes two hours to poop in the morning. Jeremy, prove me wrong. No. <laughs> I'd say it's a solid 40 minutes of pooping. <laughs> twice. No, I mean, twice. 40 minutes combined. Why are we talking about this on no, the show? No, we're doing it. here. We're here now. <laughs> I'm driving this no, shit. I, I, have a, I have a whole morning routine because I'm not, I'm not fucking like you. I cannot just wake up, mm -hmm. throw my clothes on, and be out the door in 10 minutes. Hell no. I wake up. Mm. I take Danny out. Mm -hmm. I do my Shit business. In the, yep. Then I take a shower. Yep. Then when I get out of the shower, all, all this time I've also made coffee and I have my cup of coffee with me. Which helps with the, you know. Yeah. Yep. Then I take a shower. Then I get fair. out. I make breakfast. I feed Danny. I go in for another, you know, business trip. Pack <laughs> <laughs> your bags on business and trip then, first and class. Then, and then I come out and I take Danny out a second time. And then I and then I get dressed and go. I love it. I love it, Steven, How it's do you poop nice in the morning? I'm fully awake by the time I walk out the door, and that's how I like it. Just you wait until we are sponsored by Tushy. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> you hear we'll that, pants set. people? Help us make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> or manscaped. We're a manscaped crowd here. This is this is officially my most uncomfortable banter yet. Steven, tell me about your poop <laughs> in the morning. We don't care about night poops here. This is, we're, we're no longer fantasy pants. We're just poopy pants. Yeah. Poopy pants. Um, poopy pants. Or yeah. babies and broadswords in real life. Let's do it. Yeah. I like to poop in the morning. Um, right after I wake up before the first cup of coffee. Then I'm uh, making breakfast out the door, do my morning walk, and then I hit to work. See, thank you. You have a routine that helps you to wake up and greet the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I crawl out of bed. You're a vampire. I crawl out of bed. I, I splash water on my face, deodorize, crawl into my car, drive to work, get to work, go right in the bathroom and shock into the toilet, crack the bowl. That's my morning. I might be lactose intolerant. I love dairy. Dude, I'm the same. <laughs> Seriously. If I have cheese or any dairy the night before, that morning it's all, all over. All right, guys. I bought eggnog, I bought eggnog earlier Anyways. this week. Uh, no, you don't want to hear my egg? Okay. <laughs> guys, I'm going to have so much <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of fun editing Steven, this one. Steven, this take is terrible. the wheel. Uh, <laughs> Steven, please save us from this conversation <laughs> yeah. that, that David had started. I just finished it. I think we did an appropriate amount of toilet talk. Yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. think we can leave lactose right. intolerance for... Um, next next episode. You know what? For the Discord. If you want to hear lactose intolerance <laughs> talk, you're really join us go on there? Discord. This is where you're going. <laughs> you just give it to Steven. He's going to shell on the Discord again. Go to our Instagram page. We've got the link to our link tree there. You can find Discord yes. on there. And, and if and you have Stephen Shills for Discord on your bingo card, make sure to mark it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking. I'm talking. Here we are. I had to stop it. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Let me, that... let me apologize to all you pants people. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see the, the bummer now is, is that we talked about poop for so long that we don't have like really enough time to be like, hey, let's talk about this. Some no. other fun thing? Yeah. Do you want to just tell us another fun thing? And the get-go? Uh, get started? We're see, warming up. Yeah, These no, are warm-up. We don't need to have warm-up be our banter. We can have banter be our warm-up. Or fucking warm-up before our banter. Wait just a minute. Doesn't that mean the same thing? I'm warming up like a shit in the rain. What? So, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Guess I want to do a flashback? <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Do a flashback? Yeah, I do. But first, we got to talk about the shit in the rain thing. What no, we're that? past that. 
Did you make that up? Is that a thing? Give me the sirenscape. I mean, <laughs> this is the guy that just last week said suck on your ponytail or two weeks ago. <laughs> he was, you know what? He was in Florida where the rain's really warm. What did you do in Florida? Yeah, what David? did you do in Florida? What was in that hot tub, David? What the did you do escape. in Florida? What was, what was in that hot tub? A flashback. Spade has gone too long already. Everyone hates us. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. I've been waiting on this one for quite a while, and I only recently found time to really put it together. But I've been wanting to drop this little bit of lore about a, a cherished character of our show for some time. Let's learn a little more about Dresden Kellogg. Now, establish this point in time. Now, early in his 13th year, we've established in our flashbacks that Jules met Dresden on the, the same day that Dresden lost his eye. Then, late in his 15th year, Jules is forced into the Black Candle ritual where he gains his Shadow Touched abilities. This little escapade that we're going into today happens somewhere between these moments, during years of a, a close secret friendship between a rebellious prince and a soldier in training. Jeremy, how far into this relationship are we now on this night? How old are our heroes during this fateful encounter? Uh, we are both 15. Okay, so you've known each other for a couple of years now. A couple of years, yeah. Hell yeah, all right. And this relationship's really been developing. I love it, I love it. So let's get into it. We hear the click of a lock followed by the creaking of old wood as a thick iron-banded oak door swings open into a dimly lit space. Stone walls line the hallway outside this room, serving as a background to two young figures. Now, Jeremy, do these figures require description, or are they exactly what we have come to expect from a young Dresden and Jules? Any updates from their last appearances? Nope. Dresden now has his uh, eye patch. Yes having lost it two years before. Although I don't know if it's necessarily a a real, like, eye patch. Oh, okay. I think it's probably just maybe like a like a strip of burlap. Hell yeah. Or something just tied around his head. Hell yeah. And over his eye. I imagine he's dressed in some sort of a, a bear-like uniform, probably a, mm -hmm. sort of the, the, the blue of the LaRoche colors. Mm -hmm. Jules is yeah. uh, his usual torn-up, sort of defiant outfit. Right. Hell yeah. I love it. We see Jules pockets a, a key that he stole from Zavar earlier on in the day whilst the, the man was lighting up candles for the usual rituals. And the two of you just stare into the cult magician's personal study. And let me ask you, Dresden, was this little break-in your idea or was it Jules's? I think it was Jules's initial idea, but both Dresden and Jules have each other's back in everything that they do. And so while it was Jules's idea, Dresden's there for it. Hell yeah. No questions asked. And I hate to put you on the spot like this. I know it's a weird so place to be as a DM. So don't. As you stand here staring into the room, are there any words exchanged between these two? No. No. At least not from Dresden. Okay. Uh, at this point, for, for the most part, he's mute. Interesting. Um... He does speak with Jules. Oh, okay. But more so when they're in like in total privacy. Gotcha. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. The two boys stare. They see uh, 
a chamber that is quite large for a servant, a, a real showcase in the special place Zavar holds in Jules' house beneath his mother. Though it is also extremely cluttered, making the space feel so very enclosed, claustrophobic, just a true mess of books and papers piles across one side of the room. The shelf they might belong on nearly empty where it stands against the wall. Number of tables holding jars and vials is overhung by a great number of crow corpses dangling off a line. Skeletons hang through the space, most of them humanoid and carved with deep, intricate patterns. Some, you can see, have the growth of horns sprouting from their skulls, unnatural, twisted things, uneven. In one case, the horns loop around, digging deep into the head from which it sprouts. You see all of this. You see how it is all pushed off towards the edges of this space, as if positioned with reverence away from a central desk. And here we see the room's single source of light. A magic emanates from the surface of this desk, a array of light that shines up from the wood, illuminating a small, pointed object that hovers in place, slowly turning round and round in its magical suspension. Jules sees this, and he is drawn towards it, carefully, quietly, crossing the room. I imagine Dresden stands at the door, which he holds nearly closed, his eye keenly watching for any coming guard, ever ever watchful for danger. Is this mm-hmm. accurate? Yep. Jules, Jules is always the one that goes in to do the deeds. Dresden's the lookout. That makes so much sense. Hell yeah. So as Jules moves towards this central desk crossing the room, we can make out more of it. Firstly, we can see that the small object looks to be a, a break or a fragment taken from something larger. It, at first glance, almost looks to be a, a, a dark stone. But, but Dresden, you've lived in this tower for some time now, and you've seen the great black fossils embedded in the masonry. You see where they break from the stone throughout the floors of this tower. You recognize their sheen here. This is a piece, the tiniest little piece of one of these fossils. You can't imagine what Zavar would want with something like this. Why it might be placed in a so reverent a spot in his study, but there's more on the table surrounding it. Old, withered pages scribbled with a strange, looping script. Now one of these pages, a faded image of some great serpentine dragon. Minimalist depictions of mountains and trees in the foreground reveal the creature to be of truly immense scale. There are notes from Zavar, too, written in his fevered, manic script, notes that Jules can almost read. And he moves closer. And here we change perspectives in this scene. We move from the curious Jules to the very wary Dresden, who turns from the doorway to look towards his friend. And he sees the pattern on the floor. It is almost invisible against the gray floor, running like a natural groove in the stone. But it is perfect. It's too perfect. In an instant, Dresden sees where this line connects to others, forming a glyph in the stone. And as Jules steps down, as the glyph begins to glow and hum with power, as the air rushes from the room and all fades into a deep and deadly silence, Dresden is already charging, shoulder forward, crashing into Jules with all the force in his body. The two go sprawling deeper into the chamber as the space behind them erupts into flames and the silence is shattered by a boom. The blast is small, contained the glyph at the room's center. The force of it is strong, though. 
Jewels where he lies pushed against a stone floor is mostly untouched by this force. Dresden, though, closer to the blast and positioned above his friend, is thrown into the air. He crashes hard against the central desk. Papers are sent flying. Wood shatters. As the desk collapses beneath his weight, Dresden rolls from the splintered wood. The light of the spell fades and dark splashes of blood on stone are the last images we see as it flickers out. In Dresden, you feel pain. A deep pain buried beneath your right arm. Something driven far into flesh and muscle. You think of that fossil fragment suspended above the desk as your mind drifts off for a moment. There's movement as you come to. Groggly, you realize you're being carried. Your body draped over a struggling Jules' back. Your awareness is swimming, driven in and out in pulses of darkness. You're moving across the study. Darkness. Pushing through the door in darkness. Moving down the darkened hallway in darkness again. You feel something soft moving over your head. A cloth? A curtain? You feel your body finally lowered back against the wall. Your eyes open, flicker, become focused. You sit beside Jules. The two of you hide beneath a small table covered in a red cloth. Where these two cloths meet a crack between curtains, you can peer into the hall beyond. You can see men in armor move through the darkness, lighting sconces as they go. They move from the direction of Zavar's study. They move towards you. You realize through the haze and the pain that they are looking for you, looking for the intruders into Zavar's chambers. They will find you, and there will be severe punishment for you, Dresden, probably death, and for Jules. You look to Jules beside you, and you can see his mind working, scrambling for a way out. You can see the heat of defiance in his eyes, desperately trying to bury a spark of primal fear. You can't move your body, Dresden. You want to reach out, you want to save him, but you can't move. Your eyes flicker to the curtain, to the armored boots stepping up just in front of you. Your mind wants to fade away again, drawn in by the stabbing agony behind your arm, that thing wedged deep into your flesh and muscle. Is it, is it moving? It's, it's burning in this moment. In this moment, what do you wish for most, Dresden? What thought burns in your mind? Distraction. Drawing their eyes away. Armored boots stop before the table. And you hear a voice ring out. The intruder! The boots turn. The figure poised facing down the hallway, facing away from you to where his fellow guard points. And you see something in the dark. Something moving, vanishing around a corner. The men go charging after it, boots thundering against stone, running away, their steps echoing, fading, shouts drowning out until they are gone, until you are safe. And as that darkness moves in for you again, your mind is locked in the features of that, that thing that drew them away from you. It, it was you, Dresden, a phantom, an echo of you. The face was obscured, but you know it. You felt it. You feel it still buried deep within your body, deep behind your arm. You survived that night. Your wounds healed and life became as normal. But the fragment was never removed from you. It couldn't be without some suspicion. In the years that followed, you honed this new ability of yours. You learned to call upon this echo, to control it, to fight with it. 
You did this in secret knowing that someday it might come in handy. Someday when the time came for the prince to finally escape his tower prison. And you were right. But that's a story for a different episode. Whew. All right. A lot of flashbacks lately. That's how Dresden became an Echo Knight. That's how Dresden... We didn't really answer this. But in this setting, the Echo Knight's a very rare thing. In fact... Yes. There's only one. Just like Tiggers. Double good. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was hilarious, David. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right. A lot of flashbacks. A lot of a lot of flashbacks. And speaking of flashbacks, I want to talk to you guys about a mechanic I would be interested in trying out during this next segment. We talked about this last episode, actually. I mentioned I was going to bring it up here, and now's the perfect time because we just started this party. So I have a weird thing I want to try out because I do that. It's fun. Um, and this is be a segue, but hang on. So Blades in the Dark. Is another game system. It's really cool. It's all about like sort of sort of performing these like elaborate heists as part of a gang in like a crazy fictional city. It's a really cool system, and I want to steal from it. Um, I want to utilize the flashback system from Blades Hell in the Dark. If you're yes. aware of the game at all, you know that basically during these heists that the players are on during certain jobs, they are able to use a, a limited resource to essentially flash back to earlier on when they're planning this thing, where they acquired a certain item or some information or something uh, uh, basically in their downtime before it. And we're like, hey, I have this now because it was part of my plan the whole time. Right. It sounds a little weird, well, it's, but it's, it's a really like, fun role play ability. It's like how sometimes we'll be like, oh, well, can can we just retcon that, you know, I bought a potion back in town sort yeah. of thing? It's like that, but a little more elaborate. It's literally retconning as a mechanic, but it's cool as hell. So it's what we're going sweet. to do, it's really fun. It's like really that. fun. So uh, what we're going to do is you're going to be able to flash back during this party. Maybe we'll keep it afterwards. Who knows? But at least during this party, during this little uh, investigation of yours, I'm going to allow you to flash back at the cost of one button. Cool. Use these uh, flashbacks to retroactively game items or information that can help you accomplish your objectives here. It has to be something that you could have reasonably pl- have planned or obtained earlier in this day. Uh, roles might also be involved to determine the success or the degree of success of this flashback, depending on what you're asking for, right? Um, it's, can't, it's not automatic if it's something that would require an actual role or work in the moment before. So that's all going. Let's, we'll play it out as though we just opened up the scene earlier in the day. It's going to be a good time. Because right. you guys are walking in, there was no real plan, but you did realistically have time to plan to right. gather more information. So sure. it just turns into a, that was your plan the whole time sort of thing. You know, let's do it. Be I'm fun. excited to play, yeah. Okay, all right. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see what happens. So we once again return to the manor of Itzmin del Prado, enormous and immaculate. Yeah, mixed in with the the beauty and spectacle of this building, there's an almost industrial element. The building's walls are formed of wide white stones, tight and uniform, a near impossibility to climb. Uh, We see a number of chimneys sit on the flat roof, two tall standard pillars of masonry jutted above the, the east wing, trails of smoke rise from these. Then one, a, a short, wide thing gleaming with the make of steel, stands on its own over the building's west wing. And here we see a party in full swing. We move down to the terrace, down to the crowds of people. We move towards, like, sort of back of the building. And by the way, I've drawn a little map for you guys of this party. You guys can check out. Uh, it, it's really rough, but it showcases at least where you stand uh, in accordance with each other. 
and sort of uh, potential highlight guests you might want to talk to or various things. We'll add to it as we go. And it is very little. Yeah, it's very little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that on you, actually, so we can pass it around? Teeny tiny uh, map. I believe it's on the table beneath a bunch of crap. Yes, it's under all that crap. Move that crap. Um, that is the ugly coyote zine on top of that, David. And a plate and a server pad from work. And Steven posted a bunch of stuff, and also one whole sweet roll. I'm not lying. This is all stuff that was on top of the map. <laughs> Take that off. Right. <laughs> Can I remove this page? This is a disaster. Yeah, take the page out. Pants people, we have not played in two weeks. Yeah, it feels this like is... two years. It feels like it's been two <laughs> well, years. And we have like a like, little bit of a new setup, so like my headphone cord like lets me move like 10 inches away from my laptop. Um, and... Other well, to be fair, you routed it under a whole bunch of other cords. Right I here. tried to pass it right under the table to you, and you told me to put it that way. Hey, look at that! Now I got like eighteen inches. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine. I really it doesn't it doesn't. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, you'll also notice on the paper at the very top, I put two different leads. Just so you keep those in mind. These are the two things that you're aware of at this party that might be worth investigating. One is Itzman's son? Question mark. Uh, you've been told that Itzman has a a son who apparently has been transformed. Um, something to look into. Uh, another thing is you've been told that Itzman may have a private office or workshop somewhere in the manor. This is most likely where he's going to keep any sort of information. You could also assume this is also going to be very heavily guarded or protected in some ways. Mm. Yeah. So that's what you know of right now. You might be able to get more leads as you go as you move around. You have time here. The party has just started. It's about 5.30 right now. You traveled up here, you know, things got a little, you know, started, started going on. Uh, it was about four o'clock when you got Pigman, a little after that. So 5.30 now, and uh, this thing goes late. The 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 Night of the Remembered really starts in, in earnest at about eight o'clock when night falls and when the dead return in a, in a crazy sort of magical experience. It's magic. It's magic. But right now, things are heating up at this party because both of you found yourselves in... Heated situations. Said heated already. Ultra heated. Ultra heated. I'm new at this. <laughs> Would you like a thesaurus? Let's pan down to the actual party. Let's pan down to Dresden and Jean. And another figure that stands before them, large, ruddy-cheeked, sweaty Samuel LaRoche, dressed in his finest garb, sort of fur-lined, and just cheerily, cheerily laughing, his voice booming through the party. Uh... He sought out Jean Franklin, and now his eyes have just flickered to you, Dresden. They look at your helm for a moment, then flicker down. And he says, Oh, war pick, eh? <laughs> a fine one, too. Marvel magical steel, if I'm not mistaken. You're no basic bodyguard, are you? <laughs> Dresden just shakes his head. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. You keep them quiet. Very nice. I wish I could train my own half as well. He turns back to uh, Jean. Um, Jean, you could see his shoulders, you know, le- lose some tension at this. <laughs> uh, he's, oh, yes, well, a grunt here, as I, as I call him. He is a grunt, so he is grunt to me. <laughs> oh, he's marvelous, marvelous, Montelio. Yes, well, he grunts very well trained. And anyways, uh, you've sought me out, sir. Yes, yes, I, uh, 
I have not done business with your father yet. I have been meaning to move in with the, the merchant kings of Zinda. Would, would you by chance be able to book some time with me? There's many private meeting chambers here. We could talk. We should talk. His arm like kind of aggressively moves around Jean's shell and almost starts pushing him towards one of these chambers. Jean's kind of like moving with him. Please, sir, please. There's so much to talk about. So much to do. I uh, I have some money left over. Some means. I know Samuel Roche. Poor Samuel Roche lost it all in the fall, but it's not so true. I think you'll find. Uh, of course. Give me just one moment, sir. One moment. And he kind of breaks away from Samuel and uh, takes a few steps back towards you. Uh, grunt. <laughs> what? What do I do? What do we do? I mean, this could be good, right? You know him. Is he smart? I can see he's, well, he's underestimating me. People tend to underestimate us turtles. I can see it in his eyes. He thinks I'm an easy mark. I might learn something. Is he smart? Uh, Dresden is going to lean down really close to Jean's ear and whisper to ensure that nobody in their vicinity could possibly hear his voice. There's a space around you. You feel safe. Okay. So he leans down and he says, he's dumb as a pile of bricks. (laughs) (laughs) Jean just like smiles. You should be able to get whatever you want out of him. Oh, hell yes. Just do your thing. All right. Do what you do best. You can stand at guard about the door. And and you actually do see like Samuel sort of moving towards it and like inlaid into the, the sort of back wall of the of the building. Um yeah, out on the terrace, there are a number of rooms. Each one has a little number next to it. And it looks like they are, as I said, private meeting rooms in case people at the party want to get together and have little, you know, meetups and and, and, and discuss business. I'm gonna follow you. Yes. Anyway. But you order me to stay outside. All right. I'm going to try to defy your orders. Oh. But put me in my place. Very well. I will... He needs to see you're powerful. Very well. Yes. Grant, come. Uh, He just turns away and starts moving. Yep. He nods his head and follows. And Samuel is just beaming. His hands are sort of sweaty hands sort of wiping against each other as he's like taking this in like a a man about to enjoy a Big Mac. I don't know. And... (laughs) It's tasty. I mean, that, it's a tasty business proposition. That's scary accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like me about to enjoy a Big Mac. Um, <laughs> you, you, you wander over to like a room labeled four, uh, not far from where you stand now, and uh, he props the door open. Please, Montelio. Yes, very well. Grant, stay outside the door. I don't require your services here. And he begins to move in. As he starts walking in, Dresden starts walking behind him. Grant, I'm serious. <laughs> Very robotic, Dresden still moves forward and kind of presses up against John Franklin. For the last time, I know you're my father's man, but I command you now. Do you hear me? You imbecile. Is there any brains in that helmet of yours, hmm? Anything at all? I swear, I'm so sorry, sir. These fucking ingrates. Look. You stay out here. I go in there, where smart people go to do smart people business. Do you understand me, sir? Hmm? Nod your fucking head. Dresden nods. Very well. And then snaps up at attention and turns around in front of the door with his back to the door. As you turn away, where Jean's facing away from Samuel, he does mouth sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he just turns back with this coy expression. Is very well, sir. I am very excited for this uh, opportunity to to meet with you, Mister Mister Laroche. Please and. Samuel just, ho, 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 his booming laugh disappearing as the door closes. And you just kind of, all you saw there was like a small room with a couple of little couches, some like chairs and, and uh, you know, a little meeting table and just very sparse um, place of business. But now you stand outside. Samuel has no men of his own. And actually, I will say. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Well, it's actually kind wait, of interesting. Wait, say that again? Said Samuel has no men of his own there. Okay. Um, one thing huh. you find very interesting, though, Dresden, you were told by Paloma that there are likely people, uh, a LaRoche guard, up on the hill. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen anyone you recognize. Hmm. Huh. Now, out of character, you guys, players, might know, or would, would probably understand, that the LaRoche guard that were supposed to oh, came to right. world not even never here. came to the city. They went to Hollow. Yeah, right. So right. you're not the group that's going to encounter them. Um, but it's probably strange to Dresden here in this moment, like, hey, why are, the, okay. you know. Yeah, so what, so that makes us wonder what security does he have? Mm. Unseen. I mean, or the if armored, there's any. The armored guard. That too. Sure, yeah, if he's that in with Eatsman, yeah. Right. I'd like you to roll a perception check real quick. Oh, shit. On this, on this note that we're talking about now, it's kind of interesting. Eh, it's only a 10. Okay. Shit. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, you see the armored guard are moving yeah. around here and there, and you assume, like, Itzman, Marfil, the Tresna, everyone is so confident in this, in, the, in these in these guards, in this product. I mean, most people here are showing up with a guard because this this is essentially like their sort of show of force. Um, hell, sure. you were able to come in with, with your weapons. That normally wouldn't really be allowed at, at a sort of major party like this, but they're so confident that there will be no dangers, that guests are coming in fully armed if they so desire. It's quite interesting. Um, you stand there outside the door to be thinking over oh, Samuel LaRoche. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the fall was a terrible disaster. You'd think it would have destroyed the LaRoche family, but you know from your time with Cirilla that the family had many assets protected off-world, and you know their real strength are the allies they hold in the fractured uh, the fractured horn, the cult of Zomate Shab, which I think begs the question, why is Samuel Roche here? As an investor looking for new opportunities with whatever assets he has still in his pocket? Or how much? How much does the man really know about the cult? He's always seemed entirely ignorant of the family's darker dealings to you, Cerise being the real power and cunning behind the throne. Yet... Maybe he still plays a role as an unwitting servant to the great horned demon. And I think as thoughts of your time with LaRoche's, a time of only broken by, by mere days, a coldness strikes you, Dresden, as you stand, surrounded by these high and mighty people all around you. You don't know any members of the Fraction Horn outside of the LaRoche's. You don't know names. You don't know positions. You only know that there are many powerful people throughout the worlds that are a part of it. They, they trade favors. They elevate each other. And your eyes, sorry, your eye might flicker to the, <laughs> the dancers on the floor, <laughs> the swimmers in the pool, the chatting crowds on the dining tables. Could any of them be members of the Fractured Horn? Could they all be? As far as Dresden is concerned, mm. particularly since he doesn't know these people, unless he has proven otherwise, he assumes everybody has some part in everything. Holy shit. I mean, yeah. And you have to be paranoid to have spent so much time within the family. Right, right. 
you're used to a life where every single person around you is an enemy, yeah. a known enemy. Yep. I mean, at the, the, at the very least, he knows that none of these people are good people. Damn. You're looking at all this, taking it in, waiting back against the door. And suddenly you hear a whisper as if right beside you. you, you, you you're with the resistance, right? I, I, I need help. Meet, meet me just after eight o'clock. Meeting chamber two. This should be a moment when they're distracted by the start of the night if they're remembered. You Dresden cocks his head. There's no one, there's no one there. Ooh, some magic. To nobody, he says, you better be careful who you're talking to. You better be sure that you're talking to the right one. I'm sure about you. What's your passive perception? Uh, only 11. Okay. At least a 10 will be fine. I just make sure you're okay, in the neck, cool. uh, below 10. Sweet. Um, you peer up, I think, because you're already looking. You know to look for something. And you're kind of like right. looking around. Someone is, and then you see people moving past you until there's sort of this open line for just a moment between you and sort of the far edge of the terrace, the edge of the balcony. Where once two figures stood, only one stands now. Kejo Kamal has wandered off to talk to somebody else. And Eatsman Del Prado is looking straight at you. What the, the dying fuck? light of day what? catching the sheen of his glasses what as he stares towards you. Fuck, David. And the moment your eyes catch his, he turns away, pushing his glasses up and like looking back towards the, the great expansive view behind him, down looking towards the city. The man on top. Of all the twists. Yeah. Unless this is like a distraction, but I mean. Could be. <laughs> trying to pull one over on wow. us, David. Wow. Okay. Let's pan away from this for now. So he's not in control like after that. all. Mm. Let's pan to somebody else who's not in control, seemingly. Oh, God. I still have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blanche. This is a little gnome guy talking to you. Seems friendly enough. Yeah. What was the last thing he said? Uh, he said, first of all, you asked about where the bathroom was. The yeah. little turtle's room. He said, uh, I can help you with that. He said, Blanche Trudeau, right? Uh, I'm a fan of your work. I know your pupil. He does you much honor. You see, me and him have worked together. Right. The name's Runer Sog. It's a pleasure to meet you. Now, here's the thing. We talked about this a little earlier on. Hmm. Jean Franklin, in the episode where Blanche first uh, joins a party and is uh, talking with them, did mention... He confessed, sort of, yeah. He confessed that he had worked with a criminal mm-hmm. for a little little time. Uh, I wonder if Blanche would connect these dots. Do you think that she would? Um, obviously, I want to say yes. Rune definitely seems but, skeevy. Okay, like, do you think it's do you think it's obvious enough that it's a gimme, or is it a dice roll? I think it's what you want it to be. Blanche is high <sighs> intelligence. If you want to make a dice roll, it's a DC ten intelligence check. Oh, okay. Let's let's do that. Let's just do that. that I mean, I mean, that's that's what we're here for. I think right. That's you what we're here for. Be suspicious with a DC ten. Let's do that. Sure. It's fun. Okay. Oh, mama, come on, baby. Two on the die. <laughs> Plus six. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, <laughs> and you don't oh connect it. Oh my god! He just I thought seems that was. Friendly. I thought that was a Amazing. gimme. Amazing! <laughs> Amazing! Oh, I'm oh, so excited. No. 
You, Steve, have to play this out like this guy is just some oh, friendly like party going just, on. Yeah. You're fully allowed to think he's Stevie to a point, you know? Sure. But you just don't connect that he's probably the criminal from Jean's past. Right, right, yeah. And, and Holy shit. Blanche is, is savvy enough that she knows what she's here for. She's here to collect information. Oh, you know Jean. Well, that's... that's uh, <laughs> Pleasure, pleasure to. I don't know if they introduced each other last. You know, the, the pleasure to meet you thing. But I mean, ah, pleasure <laughs> to meet you again. Maybe I don't remember. You didn't uh, say that yet. No, no. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Thoroughly awkward way to introduce somebody. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's your style. It's fine. And uh, and how uh, how do you find yourself here at such a, a lavish party with? Uh, do you do you know uh, do you know Eatsman? <laughs> I know a lot of people. I'm a. Uh, well, I'm kind of a luminary agent. Uh, you know what? We'll talk about this as we go. You need the little turtles room, right? I mean, it sounds like a real emergency. You might need to go right now. Right? <laughs> well, I, I, sir, I am a lady. I, I emergency. I. I wouldn't pry. I'm so sorry. Uh, now he kind of looks at the at the armored sort of guard beside you, like, uh, all hallways are locked up and guarded tight, unfortunately. But uh, there are some exterior doors out on the terrace that lead into public restrooms. I can show you the way. He looks at your face for a moment, and then he kind of gets this little smile. But I suppose they are probably swarmed at this point. And you turtles, I'm sure, have certain special needs when it comes to your toiletries. Surely our friends in armor here would not be opposed to us moving towards the private bathrooms in the Western Wing. Huh. And he looks at the armor, which kind of just like, its head sort of tilting towards him. Can I... Can Blanche roll insight on this guy? Go ahead. Roll insight. <laughs> that's, that's fishy, right? Roll insight. Now we're talking. Uh, 21. 21. Okay. Uh, something about the fact that you're here with Jean Franklin. He thinks that you're up to no good. Hmm. He thinks that you're doing something. And you can see the curiosity burning in him. It's just pure suspicion and curiosity when you look into his eyes. Okay. Yeah. She's going she's gonna to roll with this. She'll... To the uh, to the suits, she'll start to do like a little sort of um, potty dance. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, you don't mind, roll up, roll up persuasion with a help action. Oh, excellent! Just eleven. Uh, eleven. Um, the guard does not move. Huh. And I'm assuming the guard is like standing in front of the bathroom or the, the door to the hall? Uh, you know, if you're moving through the place and you saw a guard, that's, yeah, I would say he's probably like close to that spot. He's kind of braced up sort of against it. Okay. Blanche is going to move to open the door. He puts his arm out in the way. <sighs> Shit. Or it, I should say. Oh, boy. Well, I'm uh, surprised at such um, lack of... Uh, Hospitality on uh, Eatsman's part. The red light behind the mask gets a little brighter, a little warmer, and you feel Rune just tug on you. Hey, let's uh, let's step away for a moment, huh? Huh? Come on. Very well, very well. She leans down, sort of to whisper to him. Do uh, you know a different way to these lavish bathrooms? I'm sure we can think of something. I think we're going to get along. Come now. I'll escort you to the terrace. And he starts walking like ahead of you. He has like a, puts like an arm around your arm as you begin to move. Okay. Yeah, she's going to follow him. Uh, you begin to move away and Rune looks up to you. 
The Mark V really are something else, right? They're, uh, yes, quite, quite intimidating. I God, just wish they, they could take me to a decent bathroom. Hmm. Honestly, they're smarter than I gave them credit for. I heard they're tough, too. But it does make one wonder. He looks at you with a very sort of conspiring sort of, sort of uh, uh, you know, expression. Have you noticed all the staff moving through with weapons? Well, yes, they, they didn't take mine as, uh, uh, either. Well, not just that. I mean, of course, they're not going to take weapons from guests. They want to show off the, the shiny new product. Mm-hmm. But the, the staff, they're built, they're trained, and they're armed. Why? Why would the staff be armed if the guard are, are, are such a show of confidence, if, they, if the guard are as invincible as they're supposed to be? Hmm. Unless... He kind of, like, winks at you. Unless they have a weakness? Unless they're all bark. What's your angle here, man? I'll be straight with you, Blanche Trudeau. You're conspiring, right? I love conspiring. I'm a bit of a conspirator myself. Now, I've told you before, I've worked with your young pupils. John Franklin and I go way, way back. Well, a few weeks back. And I know the sort of people he's working with. Real conspirators like me. People who really fuck things up. And where things get fucked up, little guys like me find paths, opportunities. I want in. I don't know what you're doing, but I want in. Hi, Mr. Rusong. I'm conspiring to comfortably relieve myself. What paths or opportunities could you offer me to such an end? And then after that, maybe I'll see what I can offer you in return. Hmm. Well, there is another entrance into the Western Wing where the finer bathrooms are located. But of course, it will also be guarded. Oh, boy. I don't really want to start pulling my tricks out. But, well, um, what else could we try to get by these, uh, these magic suits of armor? You seem to know a lot about them. Like I said, I know they're tough. They're trained to respond to any sort of threat. Hard to distract, unless you have a very good distraction. But I think you might have a very good distraction. See, (laughs) I know luminaries. It's kind of my business. And you came with a big one. Dumber than a sack of rocks, from what I've heard. Easy to manipulate. Maybe Pigman can be your way around. Does Blanche... Have they moved out to the terrace yet? You said Uh, he grabbed my arm. Yeah, let's say you're moving through the door right now. Okay, can I see Pigman around? Uh, as you look out, you see towards like the eastern side of the party uh, by the dance floor, Pigman is currently picking up like three people <laughs> and like kind of doing a sort of waltz dance with them. They're sort of laughing. Uh, one person looks terrified. And then Mary is, is you can't see her in the crowd, but she's somewhere sort of screaming, no, 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 no. Put him down. <laughs> Pigman, Pigman, put him down, put him down. <laughs> hey, where's Blanche? Blanche! Where's my sidekick? You guys got to meet my sidekick. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> who who is within is there anybody within like hearing distance? If I said something to Rune, would anybody be able to hear me if I said it under my breath sort of thing? The only person that's of interest is as you kind of move out and you look around, uh this old dwarven woman. 
very sort of finely dressed and I said it last time, a fantasy pants suit. Uh, <laughs> Donya Stella is somewhat close by. Every guest that steps out, her eyes sort of keenly shoot to. Gotcha. And you see she's watching you with a dark sort of scowl. <sighs> Fuck. I think Rune will even just say like, Donya Stella, watch out. She's a big one. And you recognize the name as one of the Tresna Mary warned you of. Uh, okay. Blanche is going to push Rune towards Donya Stella. Like, not like to knock into her, but to like stand in front of her and distract her, hopefully. Interesting. Um, do you like just shove him? Do you like, do you, like I guess, give him any kind of sign that you're doing? Like, there's a reason for this? Uh, yeah, she'll under, she'll sort of like through, through gritted teeth, talk to her. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Ah, hey, Donya. <laughs> he steps forward. She looks horribly disgusted by him. Uh, and you have a moment. And then um, Blanche is going to cast message on Pigman. Oh, interesting. And she's going to say, I'll be right over, Pigman. The three, the huh? three, the three people you're lifting are quite impressive. Hey, but uh, Blanche is right next to me. Could you? Hey, where, where are you? I hear you. What's going on? Hey, Blanche. Blanche! It would be really Blanche! impressive, Pigman, if you could lift up. I'm gonna make a whole, whole, whole scene about the fact that you're not here. If Blanche! you could lift up those suits of armor instead. The armored guard, AG5. Oh man, <laughs> which one do you want me to lift up? <laughs> Invisible Blanche. <laughs> which one? The, I mean, she'll. He's yelling this out loud, people, and like you can hear it really loud in your ear great, too, because great. it whispers. It's like message opens up a communication. Um, this is so fantastic. Interestingly, message is the exact cantrip that was just used on Dresden. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So you know all about it. You know all about it. Yeah. So so she she quickly <laughs> tries to get this message out that, hey, I'm impressed that you can lift those three people, but how many armored guard can you lift? Oh my god. How many? Okay. <laughs> Uh, you just kind of hear like, is this a bet? Are you doing a bet on me? I bet you can't lift them all. Oh, man. You're going you're gonna to regret that bet. You're going <laughs> to. Holy shit. Um, the people in this. Big man, what are you? Ah, 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 he's just dropping people. What, what are you doing? Big man, big man. <laughs> all right, guys. Everybody. Everybody. Look around. I'm going to do something that's going to blow all your minds, all right? The AG5, they're pretty great, right? We're here to celebrate them. AG, look at these guys. They're crazy. But are they heavy? I bet they're pretty heavy. They look pretty heavy, right? So how many? How many AG5 can the big man lift? <laughs> Let's find out. One. He runs over and picks one up. And Mary is screaming. Uh, the guard looks <laughs> shocked. <laughs> he just snatches one underarm and lifts it up. Oh, oh look at that. He, he's struggling. <laughs> His thing is like fighting against it. <laughs> I didn't expect this. Neither did I. <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> he's just, just pushing through the crowd. It's this thing sort of flailing. Like, I think it's almost at first going to like act out. And then it realized there's guests everywhere. It cannot really resist. Um, and just a whole scene is being created. People are kind of freaking out. There's those armed staff are sort of like, panicking looking around uh mary is is about to faint and he starts moving across the party towards you uh so he's on the eastern side you want to move to the left with the sort of western side yeah if blanche sees any sort of opening she wants to slip away into the door 
So yeah, basically he's he's another set. So he has to move past you where he snatches. There's no one. Hip, hip, and he picks one up and just kind of over his shoulder. Ding, and then the metal sort of clangs together. It's kind of like you know just just, just awkwardly sort of fumbling against him. Oh, oh, they're fighters. They're fighters. <laughs> oh, hey, Blanche, there you are. How, how are you? You were right here. You were over there. Saying to go. Oh, I, I followed you over. That's that's crazy. And you're visible again. And he keeps moving on, uh, pushes through more of the crowd, past the pool, past the dancers to the western side where you see the one in front of the door. Um, Rune is looking at you with just some astonishment, like, <laughs> how the fuck has uh, <laughs> Big Man lifts up the last of these metal sword clanging? Oh, yeah! He picks them up. There's a moment as he picks these guys up. He kind of lifts them all above his head. Oh, my God. one sort of movement. Uh, you can tell it's about to all fall apart here. People are, like, rushing around him so trying to calm him. So this is her chance. Him. This is your only chance. Okay. And it will be guarded again in, like, five seconds. Sure, yeah. She wants to swoop in and... <laughs> dumbest. I love it so much though. It's like, it's Pigman. You don't need to roll for it. He's an idiot. He's going to do it. <laughs> it's like the one person you can just convince without a check. Um, <laughs> like, anyone else, it's like, okay, I need like the most outrageous persuasion check in the world. It just seemed like something fun that the Pigman would want to do. He's having a blast. Yeah. Um, you slip around past him and there's so much chaos around him. It's easy for you to get move around the crowd, move through and you are in, you're back there. Uh, you find yourself in a hallway. You think you have to tuck around very quickly before the guard reestablishes his place, but you find yourself in a hallway moving deeper into the room. It sort of hooks off to the uh, whatever direction would make the most sense from west to back towards the center. Sure. Do you, do you uh, want to you mark it that? out on the map, or is it not that important? It's not that important. Okay. Uh, what is important is you hear a voice patch go, <laughs> Holy, how the hell did you do that? Oh, he kept up? Shit. Whoa, ah. Sure, she was a little startled. I'm a little guy. Easy to sneak around. How did you break away from Danya Stella? Did, did she see you? She was a little distracted by the pig man holding up the Marvel armored guard. Three of them? Mm-hmm. He's a very strong... He's a very strong man. I mean, what an incredible security lapse you created. And and, and, and all the pig men. I mean, that's, that's good. That's good. Have you ever thought about being a luminary? Because I think I could use you. Stick around, Rune. Maybe I'll uh, teach you a thing or two. <laughs> I like you, Blanche Trudeau. Let's uh, let's find those lavatories, shall we? Let's go. Uh, he just pushes around the corner. You move. You can see like the hallway here shoots straight down towards like the sort of grand foyer, and you can see the armored guard is kind of way down at the end of the hallway, standing in place, facing away from you. Hmm. And there's a doorway, sort of like you know, sort of opulent looking doorway off to your right. That Rune. Sort of gesture to with his thumb. Bathroom. Now, do I get to know a little more about what's going on here? Um, Blanche is going to crack the door just to see what's in there. Uh, it is a bathroom. You look in and see like gold-plated sink, white walls, absolutely pristine, shining, sparkly. You could see your reflection in every tile. Magical light sort of inlaid around everywhere. If your foot steps down the floor, it is fully warm. Just heated floors. I was a mason. Those are a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rune, I was looking for a, a lovely place and possibly uh, someone to help me procure some, uh, she points to her nose, some fae dust. <laughs> if you carry any. <laughs> Smooth. Give me a second. <laughs> Damn. I pre-game too hard. It's gone. 
all before the party. Uh, well, I'll have to make do with whatever it is I have. And she slips in and shuts the door behind her. Wait, I... Door closes. Smooth. All right. I'm assuming there's a lock on this door? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She locks the door and she says through it, give me five minutes and uh, summons her familiar. <laughs> old Night Scream. <laughs> What's the, that? Old Night Scream the Bat. Is that Night what you're going with? Night Scream? It's a Transformer from oh. Beast Machines. Oh. Yeah, sure. Night, night scream. <laughs> oh, give me, give me the other one. Give me a name. This is a, this is an actual character now. This is your, this is your bat familiar. This is a second time. Yeah. Second time a character shows up, they're like a part of the canon. Okay. Then his name is Turbo. <laughs> yes, Turbo the bat. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. So yeah. Um. Well, shit. I guess I should have asked before I got in here. Are there other doors within a hundred feet of this door? Huh. Hundred feet's a pretty long ways, David. Even if a room's twenty feet wide. Talking about a door every twenty feet. I mean, yeah, of course there'll be other doors. You mean like, but not inside this room? No, not inside this oh, in room. The hallway, yeah, of course. Yeah, bats can slip through the smallest of spaces. Is that true? I believe it is. Do you want me to look it up? No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My assumption was that I could squeeze either under or over the door as a bat. Okay. I'm into that. You're into that? I'll say under it. Okay. Under the door. Room will 100% see. Huh. If that's okay with you. I mean, it's not, but I don't really see how I can change that. Okay. He's still out there. You haven't gotten rid of him. You just close the door. For, for, you know. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, all right. Things are about to get... Pretty crazy up in here. <laughs> I've seen a lot of shit. I'm not squeamish. Oh, He's right outside the door. And like you rolled a 21 earlier. And I think like with that, I mean, he's being helpful, mm -hmm. but you definitely feel something wrong. Like you don't feel wholly okay with this. Okay. Okay. Blanche is going to summon her familiar from Turbo. Turbo. Yes. The bat. <laughs> from his pocket dimension and start seeing through Turbo's eyes. Okay. With the with the door locked, she'll sit her back up against the door and squeeze under with Turbo. You squeeze beneath the door, you're out in the hallway, and immediately you see through his eyes as you're just like, Real yanked up from the ground, oh, fuck holding the face of a gnome who's just smiling at you with big white teeth, just oh, familiar. I had a feeling. So, I take it you're looking, right? Can you hear me? Nod your little head if you can hear me. <laughs> Bat noise. Now, I know you want to keep to yourself all that. But I really think it's best that you tell me exactly what's happening. Because I haven't decided yet if I'm going to fuck you. Because what I didn't tell you was that you're Phrasing. Little... <laughs> I believe the missing word you're looking for is up. 
What I didn't tell you is that your little protege, he had a falling out with me. He betrayed me. And, I mean, sending you off to the armored guard right here and now, that could be a pretty sweet little revenge, couldn't it? So, here's what's going to happen. You're going to tell me every little thing, or I'm going to squeeze every little bat bone in your body until... The sound of a sending stone. Rune looks a little surprised for a moment, and you're, like, facing right into his face, and he's... He almost pulls the bat from away as he lifts the stone up to his ear close. You hear a whispered sound. And as these words are pouring into his ear, Rune's eyes grow wider and wider. There's a moment of just like sheer astonished fear. Mouth drops and it starts to curve into this like wide grin. And as he lowers the stone with trembling fingers back into his pocket, his eyes fall to you, meeting the bat's eyes perfectly. And he says, what the fuck have you done? And we'll call it there. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday It's just a fundamentally too long song. Is how I feel about the happy birthday song. But I appreciate that you sang it. Happy birthday, motherfucker! Happy birthday, David. All this talk of coffee. I should have known. I should have known.